0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Heartland Franchise Guy, your insider's guide to all things franchising in the local area. I'm Blake Martin, local small business franchise owner and your Heartland Franchise Guy. This is the place for advocacy, resources, and education on all things franchising and small business in the local area, and it's a great place for anybody who's looking to learn more about the franchising industry, entrepreneur, or aspiring entrepreneur. Now, when I do that overview, which is almost exactly the same every time, sometimes I say it so often that it just becomes rote when I say advocacy, resources, and education. But our guest today is exactly that for the franchising industry. So I'm really excited to invite Jeff Johnson to be here today. Thank you for being our guest, Jeff. Thanks, Blake. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And you are the founder, owner, operator, CEO... Uh, Chief chef, uh, voice basket, <laughs> whatever. You do everything. Obviously, not everything. You have a team, but the franchise research at uh, Franchise Research Institute and Fran survey, right? That's correct.
1: We should probably start there, right? What do you do? Well, let's start. I want to start back on my first, um, I've always wanted to be self-employed. I started back in college when I first found out about what entrepreneurism was. Okay. My, father, my father was career military and my mom was a grade school teacher. And so we didn't talk business around the table. That just never happened. And so it was college before I really found out about what entrepreneurism is. And I, I wanted to trade. I wanted to get away from the concept where you're, you're trading time for money. The only way to make more money is to spend more time. And uh, that didn't make any sense to me um that sounds familiar what's that <laughs> so that sounds really familiar it does sound familiar and I, i'm sure you hear it all the time so i always had that um drum beat in the back of my mind to figure out how to do that i looked at so i got into sales made a little money saved some money um moved around with a company for a while i was living in dallas texas i was 29 years old and uh I ate a Schlossky sandwich and I kind of fell in love with the uniqueness about it. And so at 29, I quit my corporate job, uh, bought the rights to Schlossky's, moved back to Lincoln, Nebraska, opened three locations in four years. And um, I was that, you know, that all American entrepreneur living back in my hometown. I was able to skip out in the afternoon and coach the kids. You know football team or basketball and do all that stuff but you're also on call on sunday when somebody calls in sick or you know something breaks down so it's that um but but i loved it i was with schlowski's for 17 years um the company had 200 locations when i first bought a franchise they went public in uh, 1995 and then schlowski's grew from 200 locations when i first was there to 750. So we we everybody bought stock. It was on NASDAQ. Mm-hmm. Um, the company grew like crazy, but they went bankrupt in August of 2004. Um, I was an area developer for Schlossky's at the time, and I had a big chunk of the Midwest. I had Nebraska, Iowa, North and South Dakota. So I'm using the experience I had as a franchisee and finding new folks to be franchisees for Schlossky's. And Omaha and Des Moines and Fargo. And I put two Schlossky's in Minot, North Dakota. So You did now. Really? I know. (laughs) My wife still reminds me, you did two in Minot, North Dakota. But um, when Schlossky's went bankrupt, uh, franchisees can survive bankruptcy, area developers there don't. So my 17 years at Schlossky's was was torn up. And um, during those years, I was literally in the room where it happened. So, I was elected to the Franchise Advisory Council. And I know you talk to your clients about that. I was on the the marketing committees. I was on the President's Council. I was there when the decisions were being made um, to grow the company. But it was heartbreaking. And, uh, you know, everybody, the question then always is, well, what did you learn about that? You know, so what did you do with that experience? And that's when I founded the Franchise Research Institute. it, it seemed illogical to me that you wouldn't buy a microwave without having feedback from folks that had bought all the different microwaves. You wouldn't, you know, take a vacation or stay at a hotel or, but yet none of that really existed in franchising. And that seemed really odd to me. I also noticed during the time at Schlossky's that there was no platform for franchisees to really share feedback to the franchise executives. So franchise executives, you have that national conference or the meeting or whatever, and afterwards you have the chronic complainers in one ear. They're always there, right? In every organization, whether it's a football team or a military unit, there's always somebody unhappy about something. And then in the other ear, you have the false praise, the teacher's pet, you know, the folks that want to, oh, it was wonderful and you did such a great job. And so the franchise executives are caught in the middle going, I don't know.
0: Right. What's the authentic but, feedback? Yeah.
1: Then there is no authentic feedback, so you can't really quantify anything. Franchisees are oftentimes reluctant to share negative feedback because if I raise my hand and say something about the new marketing program, then is the marketing team ever going to support me in my location? So you're you're caught with that. So I hired um, a university professor. Um, head of the marketing department at the University of Nebraska. And we wrote the methodology because I didn't want just another, um, anybody can just do a survey. I really wanted some market research. I really wanted to want, be able to give a error range and say, you know, within 2.5%, this is what franchisees think about the ongoing training program or the marketing program. And as part of that, so we, and I'll send you, Blake, I'll send you a copy of the standard Fran survey questionnaire that we have. And that if you t- if you want to share that with anybody, they kind of can have a, a feel for the questions we've been asking for 20 years. And we want to quantify, you know, the operations and training and support and marketing and but we also want to ask about the relationship because and we've worked with some great franchises over the years, but um you know, like anything, there are great opportunities, and there are some that are not so great, and there are some that are really, you know, don't even touch it. Right. But it exists in everything, so that's not surprising. But you know, when you when you think that there are four thousand franchise opportunities in the, in the U.S. right now, what an overwhelming number, and uh, a lot of information. And I know you stress the the science of making your due diligence work. So you need to study the FTD and you need to go through all of that. But really the for me, the knowledge that can be gained from existing franchisees is irreplaceable. I mean, th- those are the folks that are going to be able to tell you, you know, what it's like to be a franchisee. But If if you hand them a list of the franchisees and the phone numbers and they're left just dialing and leaving messages and following up, it's not very first it's not very scientific. You don't really know what folks you got a hold of, but you also don't you can't you can't speak to enough of them to really get a feel. And I know when I was doing my due diligence for Schlossky's, I was fortunate enough that it was out of Austin and there are just a ton of them in the in the state. And I was the sales manager for a computer supply company. So as I would be with salesmen in Lubbock or in other places. Then when our day was done, I'd find a franchisee. And so I was able to sit down face to face with franchisees all over Texas and talk about, is this a good deal? Mm-hmm. you know, do you want your best friend to do that? You know, do you want your brother to get involved in it? You know, what's the, what's the fee? What's the training? What's the support like? And so I was able to do that in person and I was trying to provide, um, what I am providing, um, is a platform for franchise executives that really want to quantify their success. And, uh, we, you know, we get it. That's, so that's
0: your customers. The, the franchise executives are the franchisor that want to get a good, uh, good authentic feel
1: for what are the strengths, what are the improvement areas. Yeah, right. And so when Paul Brown took over Arby's, which is a great example, and he didn't have experience in franchising at the time and Arby's had been a troubled brand and a lot of CEOs and, and, he really turned it turned it around. It's an amazing story. And so one of the things he did is when he went on a bus tour, went to see franchisees, the other thing he did is he hired us and we were able to get a hold of, you know, the franchisees, provide them the platform that we had built out so it's completely confidential and you can say anything you want. And so we quantify the stuff, but we also have a lot of open-ended questions where we really get verbatim. So the first question we've asked since day one is, how would you rate the quality of the franchisor? Mm-hmm. Then we ask, knowing what you know now, would you invest in this franchise again? And if they say no, then we follow up with a verbatim question. Why? Well, you know, my wife passed away, or you know, there could be lots of reasons, sure. but we want to be able to find out. And the third question we ask is, would you recommend this franchise to a qualified candidate? So- those are the first three that we ask, and they're really crucial. And again, that third question—if they say no, then we want to follow up and say, "Well, why? You mm-hmm. know, why would we not recommend the franchise?" So, so if I'm a franchisor,
0: like Arby's, as you said, yeah, how how does this work? How do, how do you how do you integrate this into um, into the operations or, or into your quality assurance program? Uh, what do what the steps look like to? to get connected.
1: So we, again, our customer, our client is the franchisor. We we work with corporate Arby's. They give us a list, email addresses of all the franchisees. And we approve the questionnaire because a lot of times, especially in food, there are limited time offers. There's all kinds of stuff. So we can customize the questionnaire to be as specific as they want it to be. Mm -hmm. And we reach out to the franchisees individually. So Corporate announces the survey, so it's a legit deal, Yeah, and when we reach out to franchisees, give them a unique link so that you press on the link, you can go in and take the survey. It's very user-friendly. It's in terms that franchisees understand because we understand the language to use, and then um, if they get interrupted, they can stop enter back in, start right where they left off. But then that is all, that information is all quantified for us. And we have a firewall in between our data and the franchise or executives, right? So we, we follow up with non-respondents three, four, five times. We get one of the, one of the necessary elements is that we want over 70% participation, which is a high number. Yeah. Um, we just completed a, a project for H and R Block. I think this is the fifth year we've done their franchisees, and as you can imagine, they have you know upwards of a thousand franchisees. That's a right. lot of folks, but we have found that franchisees want to participate. I mean, this is the lifeblood. You know, they've probably invested everything they have, their kids' college education, retirement money. So they want to have a vote. They want to be able to participate and tell leadership especially if there's no risk and no reward. So I can see all these really good things about them, and then they're going to know, and I'm going to get preferential treatment. That's not how it works. So we reach out, then we, you know, last chance, closing soon. We package all the data and we massage it. And then we issue a report back to the franchise executives. Don't identify anybody, but the quantitative and the qualitative, so all of the verbatim responses you can imagine HR block is a great example but when you have hundreds of franchisees and they're all writing their you know their opinions and their feedback it can it can be a lot so um, it's it's enormously beneficial to franchisors that want to know you know it's a lot like an annual physical if if you've already decided your not going to lose any weight, you're not going to get any exercise, you're going to keep drinking and keep smoking or doing whatever you do, then don't go get a physical. There's no sense in really having the doc sit down with you and say, so for franchise executives that will just assume not know, um, then they don't call us. You know, you how, don't many, how many
0: of go. your franchisors uh, continue to get their physical every year? Um,
1: COVID was a bit of a hit. We do a lot of work with food. And yet, as you know, food franchises are still struggling. There's a, Sure. With s- staffing and supply chain and all that kind of stuff. But um we've probably over the years worked for maybe 200. We do right now a couple dozen projects a year. Sometimes we do Taco John's like every other year. I mean, it, it depends on the franchise. Bright Star Care is an annual franchise. Uh, I'm not sure you know... Um, Sure. Harvey had Express Professionals. They've been annual franchise. You know, they do projects. I think we're doing their sixteenth year this fall. So, we've got clients that do the annual surveys. We have got some that'll do them. You know, come and go. Um, I know one of the jobs you had was at Comfort Care, and it was a client of ours for years. And mm-hmm. um, the question that
0: I now don't have to ask is, you know, who is it applicable to? And it, it, obviously, it's uh, the franchisors, your customers, see it as applicable to all different industries yes. what would you say is the minimum statistical data set you know the minimum number of franchises you would want somebody to have in order for them to get valid um, data feedback
1: it's it's really twenty you know minimum if, if there right. are fewer than 20 franchise we, we've got clients that do it but when you get north of 20 blake you really um you, you don't know everybody's spouses names you know when it, when it's a small group it's pretty close you you probably know the kids name you probably know the dog's name i mean it's a pretty close knit you know, when Schlossky's fell apart that was one of the things i missed most was the community of the franchisees and the folks that i knew on the corporate staff that you know you you do the the convention, a lot of times folks will bring, both corporate and franchisees will bring their kids along, their spouses along. It really ends up being a community. And in one fell swoop, that, because those are the folks, really the only people in the world that really know what you do every day and how you, you know, the kinds of concerns that you have. And so that whole community just, just blew up. And, um, that was a huge loss, but our clients are franchise executives. We are working with more private equity all the time, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I always say franchising. It, franchising is like sex. And I don't say that just to shock anybody, but it's so unique. It's a unicorn. It's not like anything else. And the one thing you really need to know is what is fran? What do you own at the end of the day? And mm-hmm. unfortunately, it's it's also like a hunting license. You know, you have the opportunity to hunt certain things for a certain space of time, but you can't resell a hunting license. I mean, it's really of no value. So. Um the, the one thing that we when we got to a certain level where we had enough data to really analyze, it was interesting that when we when we plotted the data from, you know, worst to best, for example, um, most were in the middle. You know, it's a bell curve, so most of the folks are yeah, pretty good, whatever. But when we really studied the high performing franchise opportunities, the ones that really do it best, we found that. They clearly understand that it's customer focused. I mean, we have Arby's has to have great food, right? So there has to be a customer focus, whether it's Comfort Care or Bright Star or H and R Block. There has to be a customer focus, but they also are in the franchising business, and so they have to be franchise focused as well. And as you know, Blake, those are completely different businesses to be in. They're really in two. So from a franchising standpoint, you're always trying to recruit you're training you I mean you're doing all of those kind of things so the high performing franchises had really mastered the customer focus but they really had mastered the franchise focused as well well and that, and and i think it's probably
0: safe to say that they truly look at their franchise owners as customers so that same customer focus is applied to the relationship with the
1: franchise right absolutely and i think it's they also look at it like a partnership you know sure when you Say that, and there's a lawyer in the room, then they all get kind of nuts when well, <laughs> he's the B-word. Yeah, but it, franchising is also um, described as a commercial marriage. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that explanation. I think it's important. I, there's a, a quote you had on your. You didn't know I was going to do this. You, you researched me, huh? I did. I done a little research on you. Stalking me online. You started with Comfort Care in 1996, so you've been in the franchising space a long time, man. Um,
0: well, I started when I was 11, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and I think one of the things that's important to me is that a lot of your clients are right here. They're right in um, in our neighborhood, in Nebraska, in Western Iowa, in Des Moines. So when you talk to somebody about a franchise opportunity, you know the neighborhood, and it's not just a you know somebody that called you yeah. from wherever California, New York, or so it's somebody that really understands franchising yeah. and also understands, um, you know, what would work well here with the competitive nature. I mean, there's certain things that you just shouldn't do in certain places because the competition is too strong. Right? Um, yeah. Here's the sure. quote. This is your quote from your page on LinkedIn. Too often, we make business ownership decisions based on feel or gut instinct, rather than through structured, intentional, scientifically-based due diligence. I I would like to use that quote. I mean, I think that is... <laughs> I would like to have you back every week. <laughs> One of the risks you have is, like I did, I fell in love with the sandwich, or you're somewhere and go, oh, I just think that's really great. That would be really good back in my hometown. Um and then it's all it's all emotions from then and so yeah. you start to find the factual reasons to support the emotion that you've already set up and that leads you down a you know a path that just isn't it does it just doesn't work very often it's so, like every every major life decision isn't it yeah if leadership wants to partner with franchisees like we saw with Paul Brown and we I mean, I wish I could show you the data It's all proprietary. I wanted to do a white paper on the success that they've had over the years and how their scores have moved. But yeah, unfortunately, I mean, I understand. But I guess my point is, after the first survey, my wife and I were invited to Atlanta. We sat down with Paul and all of his executives crew. We went through all of this stuff. He set objectives and strategic decisions, and we got ready for the next survey. And so he tracked progress year by year and then held all the VPs, you know, accountable for that. we've got clients that want to break it up by area developers or franchise business consultants. And how does, and to call it franchisee satisfaction is really falls way short of it, but how do you take, you know, we've got a client that I think there's 15 franchise, you know, franchise business consultants. And so we crop, we slice and dice the data by every one of them. And how does how does their opinion of the franchisor vary based on franchise business consult or um, by region that we'll quantify it by tenure. How long have they been? What do the new franchisees feel? And what do the old timers feel like by um, multi-unit franchisees, a single. So it's, it's, it's such a great diagnostic tool um, And I think franchise executives really, but in addition to being a diagnostic tool, there's also a therapeutic advantage when, you know, when you sit with the doctor, you go in with something and you talk to the doctor about it, you you leave the doctor's office feeling better. You know, you haven't even done anything yet. You haven't got a shot or a pill or anything. You feel better because something's happening. You know, you're, um, and so the that's what the survey does. Quite often we get feedback from the franchisees about, I'm so glad we get to do this. You know, I'm so glad. Participating uh, improves the, the environment. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there there is real data when you really think about, you know, you in, for, we do have a world-class franchise designation. If the scores are extraordinarily good, franchisors oftentimes want to share that with prospective franchisees. I'm sure some of the franchisors you have do that so that uh, a candidate isn't left just with a list of people they're supposed to go call. They've got some quantifiable data that I can certify as being this is what franchisees feel about these key issues. Now, we don't share the, the private conversation, mm-hmm. but the data on training and support and um, uh, I just lost my train of thought. But it, that's, you know, I, I think there's a way for franchise executives to use it in their development process. What makes them world-class? You know, those that get your world-class designation. Scores. So they have to they have to give us all the franchisees. We have to be able to ask them anything we want. We have to get 70% pers- participation, and then we have to share the results with franchisees. Now, it's it's a condensed form. We don't show every question, but if you're not willing to do all of those steps, then you don't get the world-class. Mm-hmm. Now, they're, they're, it is a fee if they want to use all the intellectual property, but they're free to share... The survey results. Then the candidate isn't left having to just dial. Um, they may talk to a number of franchisees just to validate the survey document, but they're not starting from scratch gotcha. because we talked to, you know, we've talked to just so many franchisees. So there's benefits in lots of different directions, um, uh-huh. but diagnostic, but also from sharing with candidates because then you're you're in a position where you can say, here's the FDD document. And then here's what all the franchisees have to say, because as you and I know, the two big, there's a lot of little steps, but you have to make money. I mean, you got to have, you know, you have to get through the FDD and figure out if it's a profitable return on your investment, time and money. But it's also validation. What are franchisees saying about it? You know, the, yeah. And, and what we're able to offer is an assessment of what's going on in the locker room right now, not last year's results.
0: So, on that note, we're going to have to start wrapping up. But um, remind us how, how can people uh, get a hold of you if, if a prospective customer, a franchise, of 20 or more locations are planning on getting to 20 or more locations? Right. What's the easiest way to get a hold of you to utilize a survey?
1: Well, the email address is simple it's jeff at fransurvey.com. So, fran is just short for franchise. You can for- probably Google Fran Survey too, right? Fran Survey, you can Google and all that stuff's out there. and and if we, there are some world-class um, franchises up where folks can go on and download reports from past years, so that's available as well. That's good to know. Well, Jeff, I want to thank you very much for taking
0: this time to share with us about um, both the the motivation and the inspiration behind Fran Survey and the Franchise Research Institute that you founded, And exactly how it works and who it can benefit. So thank you very much for taking some time to share all that with us today. Well, thank you, Blake. This was was fun. Well, I appreciate it. So again, it's Jeff Johnson with Fran Survey. You can Google it, Fran Survey, just like it sounds, F-R-A-N, survey. Or uh, if you missed his contact information, you can always hit, you can scan that QR code at the bottom of the screen and get in touch with us, and we'll make sure that we connect you with the Fran Survey folks.
1: And again, Blake, I'll send you that standard questionnaire so anybody that wants to download the questionnaire can also get that direct from you. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Thank you.
0: You're very welcome. And thanks to all of you for joining us on another episode of the Heartland Franchise Guy. Please make sure that you are liking, subscribing, sharing, and following both this episode and others. Do you know somebody who could really benefit from this episode, a franchisor or a franchisee who thinks their franchisor might benefit from this? Then make sure that you share this with them. You'll find us on all the platforms as you know. Like, follow, share, and subscribe. Again, we'd like to thank our guest today, Jeff Johnson. And I want to thank all of you for being here. We'll see you again soon on another episode of the Heartland Franchise Guide.
1: Ahura Media Production.